Good morning, church. We're reading this morning Psalm 34. And let me remind you that we do read the Word of God. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Fear those, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. I wonder if um, I ask the room if anyone of us here can say safely that this week, every day of the week, um, was just pure happiness. And every day of this past week, we really feel blessed that there was no pain, there was no conflict, there was no fear, there was no anxieties, there was no anger ever in our hearts, there was no frustrations for anything, there was no unhappy thoughts or no sin or brokenness in our week. I think we we all want to say no, (laughs) because the truth is, everyone suffers. Either you have, you are, or you will. Suffering can come in many faces. It can be mentally, physically, emotionally, or even spiritually. And so therefore, we all face it, no matter where we are, what stage of life, and especially the time of year. We might be tired or burnt out. Christmas can't get you sooner, and all the decorations in the shops doesn't help with that. And so suffering can also be the great divider. Over many ages, suffering was and is the cause for many people to turn away from God because they can't understand it. But also suffering actually drew a lot of people to God. And so Psalm 34 this morning is therefore applicable to all of us as it gives us perspective on how to think about and deal with affliction and suffering. How can David, saying verse 8, while he is suffering, 
taste and see that the Lord is good? How can he say, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him? And how can I say that now? And so my goal today and this morning is for us not just to intellectually believe or think, but to actually taste and see that when we take refuge in God, even now in the midst of suffering, we can indeed answer my opening question with a yes. That is that in the midst of a broken world, with broken relationships, in a broken country, during a time of year where we are tired, we struggle to fight sin, we feel guilty before God, and we deal with daily conflict and issues amid all of that. God is good, and I will be happy when I take refuge in Him. I hope we see that this morning. And so Psalm 34 begins where David, the future king, because he's not king yet, praises God. And so he writes in verse 1, 2, 3, and I would love for you to keep your Bibles with me, he writes, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And so David is busy to worship God, but there's a very interesting play on pronouns between verse 1 and 2 and then verse 3. So in verse 1 and 2, David is personally praising God. He says, I will extol the Lord, and his praise will always be on my lips. And again in verse 2, I will glory in the Lord. And so this praise is really personal to David. Then in verse 3, David is deciding to have his people join in on his praise. He's inviting the Israelites, if you want, to praise God with him, not wanting to do it alone anymore. And so he says, glorify the Lord with me, and let us together exalt his name. Because when you find joy and happiness in something, you want to share it. And so what we've seen happening in verse 1 to 3 is then also the pattern that we would see this morning that David follows in the rest of the psalm. The pattern of firstly, in verses 4 to 7, David explaining why he praises God. David is giving his motivation, his testimony, his experience, if you want, of why he is praising God in verse 4 to 7. And then he goes on in verse 8 to 18, and he invites Israel to say, see that what is true of my life, my testimony, my experience, will also be true of your life, and it will be your experience. And therefore, he wants them to join in so that it circles back to verse 3, where they can all praise God. And so we want to see this morning how we fit into that. How our experience will also be David and Israel's experience so that we too can praise God. And so I have three headings, actually four, but because of reach, I have three. And so the first one is David's experience, and we'll look to that in a bit. Then it's Israel's experience. Then third slash fourthly, Jesus' experience and our experience. And so just before we jump into David's experience, I want to give us a bit of context from which David is actually writing Psalm 34. The context teaches us that the circumstances of David was anything but pleasant. See, David writes this psalm before he was king, and so Saul was the current king, and David was really in danger from Saul, especially after people shouted, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands, one way to make a king jealous. And so in Psalm 1 Samuel 19, we read how Saul sent his men after David to kill him. 
but Saul didn't know that his men actually really loved David, and so they didn't kill him. And so the result was, in verse 9 of 1 Samuel 19, we will read, An evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. And while David was playing the lyre, really innocently, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall, and that night David made good his escape. And so when someone wants to pin you to a wall with a spear, I believe you are really afraid and you feel afflicted. And so as if his own people rejecting him was not enough, David actually ran and fled, and we skip two chapters forward, and he ran into the hands of another enemy near Goth, as we read in 1 Samuel 21. And so the people there in Goth, they actually recognized David, they knew who he was, and so then David was really afraid of their king, of what he might do to him, and so he did something pretty intense. In verse 13, we read of 1 Samuel 21, he pretended to be insane in their presence, and while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. So David was literally pretending to be mad to escape, and it worked out well because he was released and he fled from them to a cave nearby. What I want us to see is that David is experiencing affliction from all sides. He's been rejected from all sides. He is in fear of his life. He's running away. And now his circumstances is in a cave, afraid, being afflicted, in suffering. And now he's crying out to God in the midst of all this going on. And he says, verse 47, and this is David's experience. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him, those who desire him, those who seek him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, David, called, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. What we find from David's experience is three very clear events or stages, if you want. First of all, it's very clear that David is facing affliction and suffering. That much is clear from his troubles and all his fears. Secondly, we see that David cries out to God. He says, I sought the Lord. This poor man called. He seeks God. He desires him. And this is what it looks like to seek refuge in God. And thirdly, we see, verse 4 and 7, that the Lord heard him, encamps him, and then delivers him in full from all his fears and all his troubles. There is complete deliverance. And so three things we notice is fear and affliction, calling out and desiring God, and complete deliverance. And because of this process, because of David seeking God in the midst of affliction and God delivering him in full, David responds and writes about his testimony experience and says in verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And because of his experience, David doesn't want to keep it to himself. And because of this truth, he shares it. And he wants to show Israel that his experience will be their experience so that they too can see that God is good. And so Israel's experience, we know that even already in the past, Israel did experience affliction and suffering in Egypt. 
They were in terrible circumstances, and they actually called out to God, and God did deliver them from Egypt. And again in the wilderness, when they actually rumbled and complained and called out to God, he over and over again actually delivered them and provided for them. And so David actually just reminds them again that, hey, what is true of my life will be true of your life as well, that you will have affliction as you've had in the past. He's speaking about their troubles in verse 17 and that many are the afflictions of the righteous in verse 19. But David says, when you cry out to God, like I have cried out to God, and you will then thirdly also be delivered. So the process of affliction and crying out and deliverance will be the same. Verse 17 sums it up beautifully. It says, the righteous, Israel, you'll cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. And so David says, there will be for you complete deliverance as there was for me. And so friends, what is true of King David and what is true of Israel is true of Jesus. David, who became king, was only a shadow of the true King Jesus. Jesus also experienced affliction and fear in his life on earth. We know that. He was tempted by Satan. He was rejected by his own people. He was betrayed by his best friend. He was tortured to death by hanging on a wooden cross and taking upon him all our sin and suffering, receiving God's wrath so that we can be delivered and we can receive forgiveness. But Jesus also cried out to God on many occasions where God did hear him, but this one time in Gethsemane, the Father turned his face away. And Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so at this moment, we look and we see, but does this make sense? Was Jesus suffering for nothing? Is this the place where the biggest loss ever happened? And we know the answer is no, because there where it seemed like all hope was lost, where suffering doesn't mean anything, and it is for nothing. There God actually accomplishes the greatest victory this world has ever seen. The redemption and forgiveness of his people. And so the cry of Jesus was heard when he rose from the dead on the third day. God delivered Jesus. He did not leave him. And so he did so completely at the resurrection. And now everything starts to make sense. Because of Jesus, God will never turn his face on our cries. Because of Jesus, all who take refuge in him will be blessed and delivered in full. When looking at Psalm 34 through the lens of the cross, we understand that complete deliverance, which was spoken about, is because of what Jesus has done on the cross, not because of me, and that complete deliverance will happen when we too, like Jesus, will be raised from the dead at our resurrection. Psalm 34 does not say that the righteous won't die that they won't suffer in the flesh and die in the flesh. But it does promise that God will raise them. He will deliver us from all our fears, all our troubles. We will never be ashamed. We will lack no good thing. And affliction, even if it kills us, 
will not defeat the righteous in the end. And so John Stott says this beautifully. He says, we have to learn to climb the hill called Calvary. And from that vantage ground, survey all life's tragedies. The cross does not solve the problem of suffering, but it supplies the essential perspective from which to look at it. Isn't that beautiful? We can experience, we can taste and see that God will deliver us completely and fully, externally and internally because of Jesus. That is good news. And so friends, what is true of David, what is true of Israel, what is true of Jesus will be true of us. Jesus says in John 16, 33, when he's speaking about the cross, that I have said these things to you, that in me, when you take refuge in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. That much is true. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Whatever fears or afflictions we have, whether the present, past, or future, whether mentally physically, emotionally, or spiritually, cry out to God. Desire Him. Seek Him. Want Him. Take refuge in Him. Because even though God does not take our suffering away on this earth and will only completely deliver us in the resurrection, in this moment, in this time here and now, He gives us refuge. We are not left alone in suffering. We are given peace. And so, true story, I was about 10 years old. I went with my dad and my brother on a camping trip to fish. And so we came there, blue skies, and my dad looked up, really optimistic, and said, they will not fall one raindrop tonight. And so we didn't even put on the rain cover on our tent. And so irony struck that night. It was the greatest storm of my life. And so all hell break loose, and it was wind, rain, thunder, lightning, everything you can think of. Um, and we were starting to get soaking wet in the tent, and I remember being so afraid. I was so afraid that I literally saw how the dam levels will rise and we will drown, um, and I, don't, I, have, I had no idea how we would be safe from that. Um, but I remember in the midst of all that, um, my dad turned around in the tent, and he put his arms around me. And all of a sudden, no matter what was happening, I felt so completely safe, so protected, as if he heard my cries, he was so near to me that I could actually smile and feel that, listen, all will be okay. I can feel at peace until the next day dawns. And I think that is what it looks like in a very similar way to take refuge in God. That when we are in the midst of the storms, when we feel like all hell broke loose, God says, verse 15, that the, his eyes are towards the righteous. His ears are attentive to our cries. That he is not blind to what we are going through. He says, I see every millisecond of your life, of your pain and what you're going through. He says, I'm not absent. I hear every prayer, every thought. When you think you're praying to the roof, you're not. I'm there. I'm hearing you. I'm listening to you. God says in verse 18 that I am close to the brokenhearted and I save those who are crushed in spirit. When we feel like he's not present, that is not true. 
God says, even in your worst of days, in the worst times where you feel totally crushed and broken, as if I don't want to be near you, that is when I'm actually near you. Because I've been through what you've been through. Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. And he says, don't ever feel, when you open your Bible, when you try to do devotionals, or whatever you try to do, that I'm not there. I am present. I am near you. Never far away. And if that is not enough, we can know that while we take refuge in the midst of all this, that because of the cross, we have hope. We have hope that while God surrounds us, He's near to us, He hears us, we look forward to a time when the day will break, when dawn will come and Jesus will return, and He will come fully to restore the world and that take us into His everlasting kingdom where there will be no tears, no pain, no mourning, and no death. And so can we see again, can we taste that the Lord is good? That we are actually blessed when we take refuge in Him. I mentioned that suffering comes to all people. And the psalm actually ends by making clear that even though suffering comes to all people, it serves two contrasting purposes, both for the righteous and for the wicked, for God's people and for his enemies. And that contrast is very clear in verse 21 and 22. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. However, the Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. You see, affliction will ruin the wicked. It is the end of their story. It has a punitive effect for them. And the wicked will be condemned at the final judgment when Jesus returns. And so you're sitting here this morning and you're not taking refuge in Jesus and abiding in him and calling out to him, the one who has overcome the world, the response is to fear God and repent. Look from the perspective of the cross and see that Jesus is the true king and that he can deliver you from your sin. And cry out to him and take refuge in him, knowing that in the midst of all that's going on, his refuge is safe and secure and will take you into his everlasting kingdom. Don't try and take your pain and suffering and find refuge in the world as if it will please you. I know Black Friday had great deals, but it doesn't solve our problems. It's only temporary. It's not satisfying. We want to take refuge in God. And the psalm actually gives us really good wisdom in verse 12 to 14. For those in repentance and wanting to live righteous. It says, verse 12, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Stop believing the lie that taking refuge in the world will bring you happiness or security. Turn from evil, that is, repent and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek Jesus. When we take refuge in Jesus, though afflicted and through affliction, we will not be condemned, but the Lord himself will redeem us. And that redeem in verse 22 is actually a continuous tense. Because the redeeming action of God is that 
in affliction, our true colors will be revealed. That in affliction, it will have a humbling effect on us rather than a hardening effect. Affliction has a purifying effect for the righteous. And so if you've heard nothing this morning, please hear this, that through our affliction, it makes us holy and Christ-like. And this is crucial. Because when we look to the storms and the hardships and the things we go through as if it meant nothing and that as if it serves no purpose, we are lying to ourselves because it does. It's serving a much bigger purpose. It is making us more like Jesus. And when we grasp that, when we click that, the gospel will make sense. And so John Stott writes, the hope of glory makes suffering bearable. The essential perspective to develop is that of the eternal purpose of God, which is to make us holy or Christ-like. Do you know what happens when an irritation or a grain of sand or a small broken piece of shell or actually a parasite enters into an oyster? The mantle will produce a protective coating called a nacre. And true fact, that nacre is actually referred to as the mother pill, as if it serves a parenting role. And so over time and years, more layers will coat that irritant. And what we get is a gorgeous, shining white pearl. We are that grain of sand, that broken piece of shell, that irritant, that parasite. But when we take refuge in God... He will protect us with coating of nacre. And as the years pass, as the waves crash over us, He will continue to coat us, even with layers of suffering, and mold us and form us so that no year of affliction, no hard day will ever be a waste, but it will actually contribute to making us a stunning white pearl when we stand before our Maker. Perfect blameless, and Christ-like. Can we now, with David, praise God? In verse 3, see and taste that God is good, that in the midst of all suffering, that when I take refuge in Him, I am actually blessed? Let us praise God and pray together. Almighty God, what a wonderful promise that taking refuge in you, we will be blessed. That taking refuge in you, you are near to us, you hear us. You clothe us, you protect us. You make us holy and Christ-like so that our suffering serves a much bigger purpose. So, Lord, we look forward to being with you in your kingdom when you will completely deliver us. But even now, we can rejoice and we can taste and see that you are good even through the suffering as you are near to us and you hear us and you have already delivered us on that cross. And so, Lord, I pray that we would take this to heart and that in this week we would look at every day and actually say that I am blessed and I can be happy because I take refuge in God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.